All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Can you see it? Did you notice? Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. It to the line, Hughes, Jones! Yes, existence, take you to the sun. First career NHL goal, Quinn Hughes makes it 1-0. We Here, like I don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted the minute Valentine's Day. Wow, we should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores. Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go.
Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. My name is David Quadrelli, and I am joined by Sportsnet 650's newest hire, that has a nice ring to it, Chris Faber. Chris, how are you doing, man? I am doing great. It's been an awesome week this week, uh, which is good because, you know, a lot of, felt like for a while there, it was getting pretty uh, stuck in cement or quicksand or something, like it was the, the covid lockdown and quarantine everything's starting to wear on me a little bit so having uh, some good news this week was awesome uh yeah i got a uh, a call from sportsnet 650 i mean i like i announced it on twitter a couple days ago you knew about this for a couple weeks uh we obviously yeah. couldn't mention it on the show uh but yeah i'm excited to uh, get my foot in the door in the sports radio industry and uh see where it goes from there i get started uh the day that this podcast gets released on saturday i'm in there with um with izzy and alex uh for on air with them on saturday so that'll be fun to uh see how everything works and it's funny because we're recording this friday afternoon and i'm actually doing a hit on 650 tonight i don't even think i told you yet i'm going on with jamie dot at 735 <laughs> so people have already listened to that or heard about it uh and yeah I'm, I'm trying to get my reps in before you're the producer and you just start muting my mic when i'm on air <laughs> <laughs> that's great no i uh we always love tuning into your 650 hits uh me and the girlfriend will definitely have to be listening to tonight, I guess, on Friday or yesterday for people that are listening to this on the regular day that it's released. So that's cool. Uh, what are, Did they mention what you're going to talk about with him yet or just going to go in there nope. and see what's up? <laughs> Canuck stuff, I assume. Uh, hopefully they don't ask me too much about baseball other than like free agent stuff. But uh, yeah, I haven't. I've, I've been reading a bunch of stuff about the Rogers Center today. I have not like people are like saying farewell to it, and I just I haven't really looked at if it's closing up. Like Sakaris and Price, we're talking about MLB stadiums. I have no clue what's going on. So hopefully they don't ask me about that. I'll have to do a little research. But yeah, like something's happening with the Rogers Center, and I just I don't know. Even though I'm a Jays fan, I just I don't know. It hasn't popped into my timeline. It's just, yeah. Oh, oh, it's going to be demolished. I just Googled Rogers Center. <laughs> awesome. Oh, my yeah, gosh. I hope that this is people's favorite part of the show is when Dave learns stuff from Googling live on the show because it happens way more often than it should. Like, I don't know. Like, when you want to bring up an idea, maybe do a little. Like, what you did was one Google search to find out what's going on. But I don't know. Maybe this should be a reoccurring segment where Dave gets shocked by news live from oh Google. Oh, my gosh. Well,. Okay, so it's going to be a new stadium. Have you ever been to a Jays game, Chris, at the Rogers Center? Uh, nope, just uh, I was one of those guys that uh, went down from Vancouver to Seattle that the new host yep. of Jeopardy hates. Um, yeah. I would always go to the Blue Jays games down there, and the Blue Jays were awesome because they would just sign autographs forever. But I've never been to the Rogers Center, right? That's what it's called? Yep, yeah, Rogers Center. So, okay, here's the thing. Like, you went to T-Mobile Park. It was probably Safeco Field when you went down. But yep. that's where the Mariners play. And that's a place that has, like, a really nice roof. Like, you can see it. It's just completely retractable. But we're in the Rogers Center. It's kind of like BC Place Stadium where it's just, like, the walls are so high. And then it just kind of opens at the top. You know what I mean? And it's, like, yeah. It's, I don't know. It was, like, I was reading, like, a headline I saw on the Globe and Mail, you know, and I said I was reading. I mean, two minutes ago, a headline I saw was... Uh, that the the Rogers Center, the Sky Dome, when it was first announced, was outdated like immediately. And yeah. you know when that's the case, when it's like outdated two years or three years after it's built, that's not good. So when you look at a park like T-Mobile or Safeco, whatever you want to call it, like that that's a nice stadium. You know what I mean? And like where you have BC Place Stadium, it's just not like you you. It's just not the same. You know what I mean? Like BC Place is a great facility, but in terms of the roof, it's nothing compared to. Uh, to Safeco and like other MLB parks like 
like other parks that have stadiums with roofs like you look at Tropicana Field where the Rays play like that's like the epitome of being like the worst the worst field in the MLB hands down uh, like stuff gets caught in the catwalk up top because the roof doesn't even open and it's just like it's garbage especially when you compare it to the Miami Marlins field which is just down the street or whatever it's in the same state I don't know uh, where Tampa is in cons- in uh, <laughs> in uh, in relation to Miami but oh, uh, why don't you should just Google it yeah I could just Google it but I'm not going to do that right now I'm not going to Google twice in the same show but yeah like I don't know it's just it, it seems long overdue I guess and I don't know I want to see the design of this new place because I don't know. Like, it's, it's not a bad thing that they're getting a new stadium. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. And with such an amazing company like Rogers, I'm sure that they're going to do a great job. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know what we need to do? We need to get a new button on the board that's the Rogers jingle. It's like, but you know that one? <laughs> yeah. We got to do that and hit it every time you bring up your new employer. That's fantastic. Wow. Okay, well, we should get into some hockey talk, Chris. Well, I've- before, I just want to address one thing because people, a lot of people tweeted at me. I think I tweeted out the other day, but just so people know, that does not mean that I'm going to stop doing this podcast uh, or stop writing at Canucks Army because um, – it's not like I'm hired full-time to host a show. I'm learning like how to operate the board and be a fill-in producer. So I'm, like, I'm not going to be getting a lot of hours at this job. I'm just excited to get my foot in the door, like I mentioned. And this is not going to affect anything to do with Canucks Army or Canucks Conversation there, or what I'm doing at BCIT. I just wanted to get that out there. There would have been a massive argument between you and I if you came to me and said hey I'm taking a job as a uh, as a part-time board operator at 650 so I'm leaving Canucks Army and Canucks Conversation <laughs> there would have been a massive falling out between you and I which was funny because I knew people would think that like that was going to happen like you were going to leave and oh what's Quad's going to do and all this stuff so it was funny because despite me knowing for three weeks I said to you after when you tweeted that out the announcement I was going to quote tweet it and be like news to me dot 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 just to throw like gasoline on the floor and just see how people reacted so that was something i thought of doing just to stir the pot a little bit but uh thought better of it because i knew someone would take it seriously or uh someone wouldn't get wouldn't see my second tweet where i was like no this is a joke i'm really happy for chris which to be clear i'm super happy for you like this is awesome man yeah sarcasm doesn't go great on twitter i think we've learned that uh hopefully people know that more than more than they should. Don't try and be sarcastic on Twitter. That's a great tip for people <laughs> using social media. Don't be sarcastic ever on social media because people aren't going to get it. Save that. Yeah. Save that for real life when we get back to a regular world. Yeah, whenever that is. Well, we got some Canucks talk. I guess it was a good week for us at Canucks Army, Chris. Like last night. I don't know. You you put it out on Twitter. You got some quad. What'd you call them? Quad plumments. What'd you call it? <laughs> yeah, I got some quad plumments on my article the other day. That was that <laughs> was good. Plumments. I. I don't, it takes a lot to get a compliment out of you uh, about my article. So, oh, yeah, getting man. those is pretty great. No, and, and Yeah, that's some of your best work. Some of your yeah, best work for sure. It was, like when I was editing it, I was like there was a there was a few moments where I was reading it and I was just like, damn, good job, Chris. And like, yeah, it, it was good. And I was te- I probably sent you like 90 text messages over the span of like 20 minutes at 1.30 in the morning last night. And you were awake responding to them, which was the best part of it all. But yeah, you uh, you definitely killed it on the Zlodiev article and the uh, the news article that you did as well about the prospects. That was, yeah, that slapped. I haven't checked the page views yet, but those were good. I don't know if they'll do as well as my trade tiers article did, but uh, those were some good articles for sure. 
Yeah, anything with trade in the title does crazy numbers. But yeah, Zlodiev was was awesome to talk to. We used Google Translate to uh, have a conversation with each other. That was kind of <laughs> interesting to do. Uh, but really nice guy. Uh, seemed pretty committed to wanting to come play in North America. Talked about that being his dream and a lot of the dreams of, of players growing up in the same area as him. Um, good conversation with him. We learned about the contract as well. That was kind of the news that I broke in the story. Uh, he's got 18 months remaining on that contract, and then he can come over to North America and join whatever the Canucks situation is at the time. I'm thinking that that potentially means he might even join the Utica Comets at the end of next season. Or sorry, not next season, but the season after that. You know, he might even come over and join the AHL a little bit after his KHL season is over, which would be exciting because that's the way that I think Zlodiev's going to make his way to the NHL. Like he's going to have to come and compete in the AHL for probably at least a full season, right? Like, unless he's just outstanding yeah. as soon as he gets here, like, he's going to have to prove that he can be a guy that the AHL team can rely on, and I think that he's going to be able to work his way up to being a potential call-up. And the fact that he's a center who can, you know, bring some offense and be super creative in the offensive zone, but also just be so good at getting back on D, you know, his back check has been great. We've I've noted multiple ones when watching his games. Um, it's, it's great to see, and he mentioned that some of the players that he loves watching, like Ryan O'Reilly, Sidney Crosby, um, and shoot, I can't remember the third one that he named, uh, Nicholas Backstrom. Uh, so like three guys that are very committed to the defensive side of the game as well. And it shows in the way that he plays. So yeah, it was great to have a conversation with him. Like he's a guy that I immediately, the first game I watched, he scored a goal, had a great back check and played solid defense the whole game. And I was like, all right, yeah, like I already like this kid from the first game that I saw him play. Uh, and he's kind of only gotten better from there. So uh, it's too bad that um, he's injured for the next two to three weeks now is what he also, what I reported as well in the article. Um, and yeah, it, it's too bad because I think that might be the reason why he actually didn't end up making Team uh, Team Russia's U20 team uh, for the World Junior Championships coming up. Because if you remember, uh, Igor Larionov, the coach, was very excited and said some very good things um, about Zlodiev. Like he was saying that he's the perfect type of guy to kind of play in a bottom six. He's a good guy who plays defensively in his own zone. And he said a lot of real positive things about Zlodiev. And, and it's mm -hmm. unfortunate that he's not going to be on this U20 team this year. But he's young enough to compete in the tournament next year. So I think he'll be a lock next year on that team. Yeah, he, I think he's going to be there. And something interesting you brought up in this article that I kind of wanted to touch on a bit, Chris, is how you talked about, like, this is kind of what the modern fourth liner is going to look like, right? Like, we're not going to see a guy like Jay Beagle be in the NHL for much longer. Like, there's just not really... Like, you look at Joel Erickson Eck in Minnesota. Like, that's going to be the new age, like, checking line center. You know what I mean? A good two-way ability and just so good defensively, right? And I think Zlodiev can be that. And someone, someone who I was thinking of as a comparable, and I just looked it up while you were talking there, was uh, Artem Chubarov with the Canucks, right? And something I just found out, he is the same height as Lodiev, okay? They played for the same team in Russia. Chubarov played for Dynamo. Uh, the only difference is uh, Chubarov was the 31st overall pick, whereas Lodiev was, like, in the 200s, I believe. He, yeah, he was 175, so... Do with that what you will. But that's like, you know, in the sense of they can both potentially be a fourth line center. Like, I don't think either of us are suggesting that Zlodiev can play in a top top six role. I don't think he's going to re ever replace a Bo Horvat uh, for the Canucks. That would be like, that would make him a huge draft steal. But even oh, yeah. just forging out a career as a fourth line center where, you know, he doesn't put up a ton of points, but he's in that role and he's solid, similar to how Chubarov was. Like, that's a win for the Canucks, taking a guy in the sixth round that can become that. And I don't know, that was just a kind of a 
comparable that came to mind because I was thinking of like fourth line centers that have played for the Canucks that put up a decent amount of goals. And, you know, if you think about it, Chabarov was like one of the best fourth line centers the Canucks have ever had. Oh, yeah. I, I had an Arden Chabarov jersey growing up. Uh, he was like one of the players I really liked. And yeah, as long as Slodiev doesn't end up buying like a BMW and have the same situation as Chabarov when he left, uh, that'll be that'll be good. Because, yeah, as long as he makes it to the NHL, I'll be excited to see <laughs> that. Yeah, he seemed like a good kid, though, just from reading that uh, that interview, which, by the way, Google Translate, that's hilarious. And people always ask us, I don't know if you get these DMs, but I get DMs, like, people asking once in a while, like, where's Pod Colson? Why isn't Pod Colson on the show? And people need to know, you're doing your due diligence. You messaged him in Russian. You didn't go with my uh, my recommendation of DMing him with a voice message and saying, in Russian, you should work on your Russian and just say... Hello, my name is Christian Febrov, and I want to have you on Canucks Conversation. That's what you should have done. You just give yourself a Russian name and get out there. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was going to be Kristov Febrov. That was going to be uh, my name going into it. But, man, I'll tell you, like, I, I, I feel like I've done a pretty good job in the past two years of getting guests on the show. The one that's been the hardest, I've said it, it's Mikey DiPietro. I said it last week on the show. His his camp's not really down for it. Yeah. Uh, but with Pod in, like, Man, I am up to some sneaky stuff right now to get in contact with Vasily Podkolzin. I'm not going to release what I'm doing, but I know that he's reading the messages to the point where I'm at right now. And we're just waiting to get a reply from him to maybe set something up. I've recently mentioned that maybe we can just do like a text interview. We can do it in Russian and then I'll translate it all back over after. So, yeah, I mean, I'm working on it, man. That would be an absolutely huge get uh, because, (laughs) well, it won't be on the podcast, but I think just... Like, if I was able to ask Pod Colson some questions and get some good answers from him, like, this would solve a lot of things and also make for some great articles at Canucks Army. So I'm oh, going to yeah. keep keep pushing on that button there a little bit and uh, see what happens. And, and, yeah, you know what? Like, I, I might – I did this – okay, so when I worked at the mill, um, I, I would listen to Canucks podcasts. Or I'd listen to every single Canucks podcast. I still do listen to 90% of them. But when I worked at the mill, it was 10-hour days. Like, podcasts got me through every day. Um, so I would listen to every single podcast and then you get to a point where it's like, okay, I've listened to every single Canucks podcast, right? Like I can't listen to any more, no matter how many there are out right now. Like there at the time there was probably, there was probably like six, seven, eight, nine podcasts for like Canucks podcast, not like 40, like there is now, but back then, like I would get finished and I was like, okay, I need to do something else. So what I would do is I, I had this podcast and it was by this guy named Johnny Spanish was his name. And he, I did this podcast where I learned Spanish uh, throughout, like, it, it, just, it would be like a 20-minute episode, teach you about words, then you move on to chapter two, and you work your way through it. Anyways, I ended up getting through, like, four seasons of this, and the guys at the mill thought it was hilarious, because I'd, I'd show up to the lunchroom, and I'd be, like, speaking Spanish, right? So my Spanish is now, like, pretty good, because I learned it from a podcast that I would listen to at the mill, but the guys at the mill thought it was absolutely hilarious <laughs> that I would just come in and just start, start speaking Spanish from like the words that I just recently learned from a podcast. So I might start doing a similar thing with Russian because if Pod Colson shows up here, like, and his English still isn't that great, because right now it's not. It's not very good at all. Like, Lodiev's was pretty good. Like, his English was solid. Um, he wasn't very confident in it, but it was pretty solid, I'd have to say. But Pod Colson's is, is definitely lacking right now. So if I can even throw together a couple of Russian sentences, like, I'm down for that. So I am going to start working on my Russian a little bit, even though we were kind of joking about it. Like, I actually am. So see what we can do with it. I love it. That's, this is why we paid the big bucks at Canucks Army, man. Holy cow. Faberov going nuts here. I would, I would love to see you learn Russian. That'd be, like, the funniest, funniest development of 2020, for sure. It's just you <laughs> learning Russian to communicate with russian prospects 
I'm getting okay. Like, I know a lot of the Swedish hockey terms now. You know, like, I know shot, I know goal, I know assist, I know period end. Like, a lot of stuff like that. Or, like, period still going. Because, like, you got to follow these scores and stuff like that. So, like, I'm learning. Like, I get a little bit of Swedish because it's it's written out in English letters, right? The problem with Russian is, like, you look at the Russian website and you're, like, trying to find information to read stats and it's all in the Russian letters. And it's like, okay, like, I have no idea. Like, it just looks like all the English letters, like, backwards, right? So, it's, like, it's an absolute mess trying to learn that. (laughs) Yeah. That's what I don't get either. Like, how do they have numbers in the middle of their... Like, oh, yeah, it, that Dude, throws we, me off. <laughs> we don't know the hieroglyphics of their language. Like, we don't, we straight up don't. It's like, oh, and there's a little house. Uh, there's a star. <laughs> I'm not sure what this means. And, oh, and there's a three. Like, what's the pronunciation of that you know what i mean and even dude even reading the lineup cards like the back of their jerseys with ska like it's written in regular letters like pod colson reads as pod colson but on the lineup card it's written in russian and it's just like i can't even see the similarity between it i'm like what is it like oh man and even like morozov like the players i know and even Lyndon vey like i'm trying to read his name and in the russian hieroglyphics it makes no sense i'm like what is like i couldn't even begin to understand what the letters are in Russian. So maybe we'll have to have a Russian listener uh, give us some lessons over Zoom. If there is somebody who knows Russian, you should please DM me on Twitter uh, and see if we can even just get a few sentences together. Like, I'm down for that for sure. That's fantastic. Well, I think now's a good time to cut to break. On the other side, we'll talk about a few different things. No guest this week, but it's off to a pretty hot start here, Chris. I want to talk a little bit more about the stuff coming to Canucks Army and the stuff we published this week because I'm, I'm, I'm up to something. I'm up to something, Chris. So on the other side of that, we'll hear from our sponsors and then you'll listen to all of that. For now, you are listening to the Canucks Conversation. Zephyr Epic is Canada's source for trading card games and sports cards. They ship free anywhere in Canada on orders over $50, and you can use promo code Hockey Season with a capital H and a capital S, all one word, Hockey Season, to get $5 off your order exclusively for Canucks Conversation podcast listeners. Be sure to join them live on Twitch for epic case break openings. Follow them on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at Zephyr Epic, Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic, on all platforms. And before we go any further, just want to give a quick shout out to one of the sponsors of the Canucks Conversation, Mike's Hard Lemonade. And if you guys are looking for a zero sugar, zero carbs, and also 7% vodka drink, look no further than Mike's Harder Zero. They have three different flavors right now, lemon, lime, and cherry, with apparently more flavors just around the corner. Uh, So with zero sugar, zero carbs, natural flavors, and 7% vodka, this crisp vodka soda packs the perfect amount of juicy, tart flavor with a bit more vodka. So you only got to drink two of these to get drunk quads. That's exciting for you. And a huge thank you to our sponsors of the Canucks Conversation podcast. Chris, I don't know if I told you, but there are some hockey cards coming our way, courtesy of our friends at Zephyr Epic. They're on their way right now. Man, I am excited for that. I've seen the Young Guns. People are pulling a bunch of Yalevi cards right now. People are pulling the Alexis Lafreniere rookie cards, which looks so dang good. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of fun cards in that Series 1 pack right now, so I'm, I'm excited to, to get cracking on that, man. Like I, I think we need to come up with a hashtag now because I think the rookie card that we're going for, it has to be only Yalevi, and it's a pretty common one, right? Like, We'll obviously be trying to pull the big names like Alexis Lafreniere, but did, did you know that in this box set, there's a Bianca Andrescu card? What? No, I had no idea. That's awesome. Yeah. 
So they have this they have this weird um, I guess like sort of inserts is what they call them, right? Like the different cards that come in. They have one that's called like ceremonial puck drop, and it was when she was at um, a game, and I believe it was Toronto against Boston. Yeah. So she's standing there beside um, John Tavares and uh, and Zdeno Chara for the opening faceoff, and she looks tiny because Zdeno Chara is standing up there beside her, right? So yeah, there's a Bianca Andreescu for people who don't know the the female tennis player, the Canadian. Uh, who's off to a great start to her young career. Yeah. So uh, that that's the card that I kind of want to pull. I want to get that Andrescu card. That'd be sick. That's really that's really cool, actually. What's what's the other ones? Is there, like, I'm trying to think of who else did, like, big puck drops. I think that there are other hockey players. Like, it's, it's just, like, a couple of older, um, like, uh, NHL Hall of Famers hmm. that ended up dropping pucks. So it's not exactly from, like, just last year. Uh, but the cool one is that Andrescu card. That's kind of a different one. And there's cool. so many, like... Obviously, after the year that Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes just had, like there are so many inserts of Hughes and Pettersson now in Series 1 that it's just like there's like these Dazzler cards that look awesome. There's the UD portraits that always look good. Uh, there's just a bunch of these inserts. So I, like, I want to get some of these cards because they just look awesome. So in a way, we're still going Hughes hunting, right? I mean, yeah, like there's some Pedersen cards that like we need to come up with a hashtag for Pedersen because that's yeah. like that was the year where I got into to actually looking to collect hockey cards was I was like, oh, I'm going to try and pull an Elias Pedersen rookie card. And the first box that I bought from Zephyr Epic at the time before we were even sponsored by them, I pulled the Elias Pedersen rookie card on like the third pack of the box. And I was like, oh, man, collecting hockey cards is going to be awesome. Like, how are these going for so much on eBay and stuff? Like, I got it in the third pack that I opened. This is going to be cool. And, yeah, I didn't pull a Pedersen card in the next, like, five boxes that I opened. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, obviously, my, my dumb luck uh, succeeds me once again. Now, there, you have to assume that Pod Colson's rookie card is Young Guns is going to be kind of sought after. Like, I think that's going to be one like Hughes and Pedersen that's a bit short printed. And I don't know about Hoglander. We'll see. But with Pod Colson... I think it's going to be Pod Colton panning, right? Panning for Pod Colton hashtag. Yeah, that that could that could work. Obviously, it's pretty easy just to do Huglander hunting, um, and if Huglander ends up making the team out of camp, uh, that's going to be in series two for them uh, for upper deck, and and you could buy those at Zephyr mm-hmm. Epic as well. So yeah, I mean Huglander hunting is going to be a lot of fun. That's what I want. Like Neil's Huglander Young Guns card is going to look so slick. Uh, the Pod Colson card is going to look ridiculous too. So yeah, I'm super stoked to get both those rookie cards. The only big name one right now, I guess, is Ole Levy, right? So the the Levy card's pretty common for the Young Guns. It's one of those ones where you kind of get every two boxes or so because they're pretty common. They're not huge name guys, but for Canucks fans, that's that's exciting because you got a pretty good shot of pulling an Ole Levy card if you buy a box or two. Yeah. Wow. I'm excited. Anyway, yeah. Use hockey code hockey season. It's no longer Canucks combo. Definitely go out and get yourself some hockey cards, man. We have so much fun with that, and I don't know how we're gonna do it this year. I think we're I think we're looking at a big YouTube video rather than uh, rather than a live stream. I think we're gonna do a big YouTube video where we just open all of them, and we have like five boxes coming. So I think it's just gonna be like a huge YouTube video, and we just hopefully rake in a bunch of views that way. We'll see how it goes, but I'm looking forward to it, man. It's gonna be fun to open some cards. Man, we'll see if we can get our hands on that sweet, sweet YouTube money, man. You hear, man, Lego Rocks, Geo over there, his bank account is just going through the roof with the views that he's getting on YouTube right now. That's where the money's at. There's no money in podcasting. Uh, huh. Like, we, we should 100% be on YouTube. <laughs> like, that's where it's happening. So, yeah, let's see if our, our card opening careers take off uh, once we transfer over to the moneymaker that YouTube is. Interesting. Okay, we'll have to do that. Because, yeah, I don't know. I've talked about it a little bit, but I've gotten back on the Twitch streaming. I might have to start uploading some stuff to YouTube because YouTube used to be my bread and butter. So we'll see, man. 
How have the streams been going? I haven't tuned. I was tuned into your first one there. Yeah, they've been going great. Uh, we've got like, dude, I've got like a couple, maybe like five people that show up to every stream. It seems like, and they're like pretty active in the chat. So shout out to those people. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. We just talk a lot, and uh, yeah, people like to watch me try and score goals and make big saves when I'm doing my be a pro career. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely a lot of fun because I don't always just talk about the game. I definitely talk about different stuff and, you know, people put different topics in the chat and I'll like talk about it for like 20 minutes. I don't know. You know me. I can talk for a long time without anybody else talking back to me. So, yeah, I've got a bit of a background in commentating or whatever on YouTube videos. So it, it helps when it's uh, when it comes to Twitch. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty fun. I really enjoy it. That's good. We've been we've been running pretty good Warzone lately too. No dubs lately, but uh, yeah, that we'll wrap up our video game talk with that. It's, it's we've been playing good, and I'm officially a sniper now too, low key. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just started a little while ago, so now it's just you and me camping in towers uh, and our teammate just getting pissed at us the whole time. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. We're we're starting to play well enough. I think we might have to reach out to the hockey god and just be like, hey man, like we've improved since the last time you saw us play. <laughs> Yeah, we'll we'll see about that. We'll see if he still wants to play with us or not. Speaking of the hockey god, that kind of segues perfectly into the first topic we're going to talk about on this week's show. I can't believe it took us like half an hour to get to the first real topic, but one thing I'm going to write about, and I'm going to put it on Canucks Army hopefully this weekend, we'll see what the timing looks like, maybe it'll come out during the week, is I'm kind of talking about, you know, there's you've heard me talk about it, you've heard Daniel Wagner write about it, um, you know, moving Godet to the wing. What does that really entail? And here's the thing is like when you look at the Canucks current lineup, there's a reason Jay Vertanen's on the first line. And it's not because he deserves to be on the first line. It's because they cannot put him with Horvat. They can't put him on the second line. They just can't. And if they put Pedersen in a matchup role, I don't know what they're going to do. They're going to have to put Besser there. But then again, you can't put Jake on the second line. So are we then looking at Louie playing on the second line or Dark Horse Tyler Mott playing on the second line? Like, it's it's interesting because there's definitely a shortage of wingers who can be trusted defensively. So it it brings up like you know you you kind of assume that Besser's going to be on the second line so that they can fit Vertanen on the first line. And then maybe if that doesn't work they move Besser. But my hot take is that Godet should be moved there. And I think just when you look at how good of a shooter he is and I'm not talking about his Warzone play, I'm talking about, you know, from the from the right or sorry, the left faceoff dot like on the power play, his work on the power play, like he's a lethal shooter, right? And giving him that time and space, and again, like letting him ride shotgun with Elias Pettersson, I think you could see a huge output from Gaudet. And, you know, the defensive responsibilities as a winger are definitely, you know, not as hard as being a center. Uh, that's no secret. But do the Canucks want to develop Gaudet into that third line center? Or do, like, it, it's almost like a. It, like the the title of the article is, or I already know it's going to be a double edged sword and analyzing if Godet should be on the right wing. And the kind of what makes it a double edged sword is like, okay, you're going to get offensive output from him, presumably if you move him to the wing, he's going to score a ton of goals and he's going to put up a ton of points. That you need goals and points to win the game, right? But when you look at it from the long term perspective, do you want to turn him into a winger that can? you know, doesn't have the best defensive game and isn't defensively responsible enough to play center and play in a third line center role? Or do you want him to be this scoring winger? I think he has the potential to become a scoring winger. And that's what makes it a double-edged sword is because, you know, not only are you kind of throwing the long-term goal of him becoming a competent third line center out, out the window, you're 
also setting yourself up to have to pay him this offseason. Remember, this guy's on a one-year deal, right? So the Canucks are going to have to pay him uh, this offseason. And, you know, with Thatcher Demko coming up, he has arbitration rights. Even if he plays okay, he's going to have a good case in arbitration. Uh, you got, obviously, Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes. So if you add a Godet who's just put up, like, 25 goals or what, what have you, you know, you're starting to look at another pretty big cap crunch. And I don't know, like, I don't know if the Canucks want to do that. That's what makes it a double-edged sword. But, you know, how much of that will Travis Green take into account? If he feels he can win with Gaudet, and here's the thing, like, we talk about, oh, Gaudet's not good enough defensively to play the third-line center role. Like, Travis Green has sent him stuff about playing the penalty kill. Like, they want to turn him into a penalty killer. And if this guy's playing the wing for you in the games, but can play the center role on the PK... Like that, you you presumably have two guys there who can take faceoffs and can play on the PK when you have Gaudet and say Horvat or Sutter, whoever, uh, you know Beagle, Mott, those guys are going to be the ones killing penalties for you. But if you're grooming Gaudet to become a penalty killer, like, do you also want him to be a third line center, or do you want him to just be a winger who can also kill penalties but has such a strong offensive game? And I don't know, like, I think it's a legitimate question. And it's a little legitimate thing to talk about is just because like. It really is a double-edged sword. And how much is Travis Green, when he's trying to win hockey games in a contract year where he's a lame duck coach, by the way, how much is he going to take into account, okay, well, I don't want to have to make Jim pay this guy this offseason. I would rather he puts up a ton of goals and we win the games. So, like, it's interesting. And I don't know. That's my spiel on it. Yeah, I think it's almost like a, what would you call it, like a triple-edged sword? Because, unfortunately, if you take Adam Gaudet and put him into the top six as a winger... You're going back to the spot where you have Brandon Sutter and Jay Beagle as your bottom two centers, right? I mean, like, potentially Zach McEwen can play on the fourth line if one of those guys gets injured, or maybe you have to move Adam Gaudet back to center when one of those guys goes down, because I wouldn't be surprised to see Brandon Sutter and Jay Beagle go down at some point. Um, and unfortunately, like you mentioned it, Adam Gaudet's defense probably, you know, isn't really good enough to be a third line center right now. Uh, it's something that he can definitely work on. But the thing for me is, uh, you know, to look at it on the other side, Brandon Sutter's offense is not good enough to be a third line center. Like yeah. he's, he's just not a type of player who's going to be able to create offense. Like he can, yeah, like he can score. He has a pretty good shot when he's like set up into decent areas to score goals, but he's just not a contributor to his line mates at all, unfortunately, in the offensive zone. So I think that you have to look at it that way. And I think that Brandon Sutter isn't going to magically get better at offense at, at the age that he's at right now. But Adam Gaudet still has a lot of potential to still develop into a guy who can round out his game defensively. And I'm sure that's something that he's going to be working on big time. And I'm sure that it's something that his coaches have talked to him about a lot. Uh, you know, as, as we have season end meetings, I'm not sure how they went for the Vancouver Canucks, but that had to be one of the things that the Canucks had to say to Gaudet because, yeah, he had one of the highest shooting percentages on the team. He only took 75 shots last season. But, like, that's great and all. Like, it's great that he produces his offense. It's great that he was, you know, four goals on the power play, eight goals at even strength. That's pretty good for 58 games or 59 games of Godet. But I just think that it's so strange. Like, you ask players to, like, these young players, it seems like a lot of people that look at them, they ask them to do more than they are capable of right now. But they don't ask the old guys. Like, why, you know, like, yeah, Adam Gaudet's defense isn't great, but why are you, why is that same person not complaining about Jay Beagle's offense? 
or Brandon Sutter's offense. It's like, that's just the type of player that they are right now. And for me, having three lines that can score goals and, you know, try and win the goal share battle, I like that a lot more than having two lines that score goals and two lines that try to prevent goals because we've seen that story play out for the Vancouver Canucks in the past and it doesn't end good for them at all. They like, like Harmon Dial did the amazing research at the end of the 2018-19 season. Like that bottom six was absolutely horrid. And I think it would look a lot similar if you have Brandon Sutter and Jay Beagle as the bottom line centers for that group. I just, I think that there's a lot more potential there for Adam Gaudet. And I think that he should be staying at center just for that specific reason, because it doesn't limit what that third line can do. I mean, it's, there's room for him to grow. There's, there's wingers that you can bring in to help him defensively. For me, it's just like, you can't really bring in a winger that's going to make Brandon Sutter be better offensively. Like I, I don't see that guy on the Canucks roster, but I see guys like Adam, you know, Antoine Roussel potentially is a guy that can play on the wing to maybe help him a little bit in the defensive zone. Uh, even Tyler Mott maybe is a guy that can help that line get a little bit of offense, but still be good in their own defensive zone. So I think there's a lot of options if you want to keep Brett, uh, Adam Gaudet at center. And I just, you know, maybe Jake Vertanen, if he could play center, then you could maybe have this conversation about him being on the third line. But for me, putting Adam Gaudet in the top six is just a no-go because you have a guy like Jake Vertanen who's already done it a little bit and had a little bit of success. So if you don't, like, the like look at the group that they have to call up a center. Like, who's the fifth center that they would be bringing into this group? Like, I, I can't really think of a guy that could even play at the NHL level. Like, for me, the fifth center on this Canucks team is probably Zach McEwen. Yeah. Because he's a guy that's you know played a little bit of center uh, in the AHL, mostly a winger, but he has played center. He has taken faceoffs. Cole Lynn's a guy who's taken faceoffs on the power play. He hasn't really played a lot of center. I think he had two games last year in the AHL where he played center. So I think you got to keep Godet there. Like I think that you got to keep him there, and then maybe put Brandon Sutter on the wing on the fourth line because it just it really hurts when you just don't have a third line that could score goals. Okay, so now I bring this name to you, Chris, because this is somebody who, when he was signed, and I've been thinking about his name a lot, Chris, like this is somebody I'm thinking that the Canucks are in the back of their mind thinking like, this is our guy if Sutter or Beagle goes down, or even if he just outplays them at camp, which probably isn't that far-fetched from happening. Like I see, I could see a world, Chris, where Jace Howerluck is the third-line center on opening night or the fourth-line center on opening night. I, I could see it, like... You know, you look at his underlying profile in Ottawa. He wasn't on a great team. He wasn't getting favorable minutes, but he still performed pretty well. I'm, I'm, he's someone that's kind of a dark horse in my mind, but, you know, when I'm compiling my opening night lineup, I have Jace Howerluck in it. I think he's just a player that Travis is really going to like. Uh, I think that was a signing that Travis had a hand in, and I think he's going to be a player that we see kind of take over for Sutter and Beagle as the Canucks try and shift to a more, you know, modern roster construction. I just I don't see Howard Luck playing center though. That's the only thing. Like he hasn't done it um, at all, really, and like he hasn't really done it at the AHL level even as well. As he's kind of bounced around the leagues, so I just I don't see it happening. I guess like that's the hard part for me. And I know you've brought this up in the past um, that you might think that he could slot in as a fourth line center, but I just yeah, that's that's tough for me. I don't think that there's a spot for Howard Luck to make the Canucks right out of camp. Uh, I don't think that he's going to be one of the top 14 forwards I would have to say but like I'm ready to be proven wrong the guy's only 24 years old so it's not like his book is is signed and delivered already yet like he's still writing it about what kind of NHL player he is so um, I'm not going to write him off but right now I don't have him in the top you know potentially 15 wingers right or 15 forwards uh, going into camp at least that's interesting 
Because yeah, I do. I, I I honestly think he's going to make the team out of camp. I just think he's the he's the meat and potatoes type player that this management group and Travis Green loves. Like I think he's going to show show well enough in camp to earn a spot. I really do. I don't know. We'll we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, he's somebody that I have in the lineup on opening night. I think. And you and you're thinking that like the way that you would make your lineup is having him at center on your third line. I'd see how he performs. Like I I think okay. Here's what I think, Chris. When we're at training camp. Like hopefully we're both going to be there at the same time because we're going to have a lot of content coming. Like you know how I watched Joe Levy really closely at the last camp. Like that was the guy who like in the scrimmages when he was on the ice, I didn't take my eye off him. Like I was watching how he's reading the play, everything. Like I did not take my eyes off him. I'm going to be watching Howard Luck really closely. Like that's going to be the guy that I'm watching really closely. Other than like Hoglander and obviously Olevi again, because man, if his skating looks the same as it did at camp, I think he's gonna. I think he, the spot's his for, to lose. Like. He's he's gonna get that third third pairing spot, but aside from that, like Howerluck is gonna be a guy I really watch because I think you know I think in line rushes and at camp we're gonna see him as a center. Like I think they're gonna try and get oh, a good man. look I at don't him. Know so about this. it might be man, the most face offs. The most face offs that Howerluck has ever taken in one game is two in any game that he's ever played in his whole NHL career. The most face offs he's ever taken in one game is two face offs. I'm telling like, you, like Louis Erickson has taken more faceoffs in a game than him. <laughs> That's fair, but they're gonna try it. They're gonna try it. Like they they've talked about putting him at center already when he was signed. Like they were talking about putting him at center. So he's got. They're gonna try it. Like they're gonna try it, whether we like it or not. They're gonna try it. So we'll have to wait and see how he does. It's premature, obviously, to say he's gonna play on the third line center role. I do have him in the lineup regardless. He's either gonna play on the fourth line wing or the third line wing, whatever. He's gonna take somebody's spot. I he's a guy I have as a real dark horse coming out of camp, and I think Travis Green's really gonna like this guy. Again, like we have to see how he plays at center because man, like nobody thought Elias Pettersson was gonna play center when he got here. He had zero faceoffs in NHL games, oh, and they put man. him in. So they've got yeah, don't com- don't start comparing Pettersson to Howerluck or anything. Really, <laughs> I'm a big Howerluck guy. He's I'm gonna not- win the Calder. Yeah, I know you are. Yeah, no, I just I don't know. I just I look at that. I think that what Howerluck's gonna be able to bring, like he's a guy who's gonna bring a ton of hits. Like that's what he's gonna yeah. do. He's gonna be a guy who sparks plugs into your lineup in your fourth line when you're like. Man, the team really needs a boost. We're on a three-game losing streak. Let's give Howard like nine minutes of play and see what he can do. I think the big thing for me of him even playing for this Canucks team is if he can kill penalties, right? Like that's what I really need to see from him. I think that's something that he's going to need to do. And it seems like that's something that he did early on. Like his first year in the NHL, he blocked a ton of shots. Uh, had a ton of hits in some of these games. Like I'm just looking at the game log right now. Yeah. In the 18-19 season, the final game that he played, he had nine hits in one game. Looking at the next season, he had a couple games where he was over seven hits, like two, one game over seven, one game with eight hits. Like this guy's gonna be a spark plug when he's in the lineup for sure. But plugging him in as your third line center out of camp is ludicrous to me. When I hear you give me that take, what in the top six? Would you rather have him or Louis oh up my there? God. In the top six? Yeah, like, dude, Howerluck can't skate, but neither can Louie. Well, man, I think that there's a lot uh, better options than Howerluck and Louis Erickson in the top six. But right now, Who? I would probably Wait. rather have Wait. I would have Louis Erickson. Louis Erickson, wow. Okay, okay, that's a bold take. And I, you know I'll, how I I'll... feel about Louis Erickson in the top six. I've made it pretty clear about it in the past. Yeah, no, I think Louis Erickson's the team's best fourth liner. Like, that's... You know, he's not paid like it, but yeah, he's good to have in the lineup, sure. But in the top six, I just think, like, the offensive opportunities just go to die as soon as they land on Louis' stick. And I think if Howerluck yep. can even be 
half as half as good as Louis defensively, he's already a better option. He can't skate. That's the big knock on Howard Luck. That's all we've heard is he can't skate, but neither can Louis. So it's like, man, I don't know. Like Louis kind of plays like grinder style like that. Like he goes to the net and he goes for the rebounds, but it's like Howard Luck's more aggressive. And I think Man, I honestly like you think it's crazy to put him on the third line. I think I think he's a better option in the top six than Louis. But like this only happens if Jake just shows up to camp, shits the bed again, and then it's Besser in the on the first line, and then there's an opening on the winger spot. They're not going to put Vertan in there. Howerluck's a guy that I think could get a good look. So I don't know. Like I think you're underestimating Jace Howerluck a bit. Like I think he's going to be someone that you have to watch at camp. Like he he shouldn't be going under the radar like this. I would. Like I could give you five names I'd rather have there. Like I'd like than I would Jace Howard like going into camp. I haven't seen enough of him to like really knock his game, but I've seen enough of of looking at his analytics to to say that I don't think he should be in the top six at all. Give me your um, names. Or I gotta know your names. Okay, like straight up, I would rather have Sven Berchi there for sure. Antoine Roussel, I would rather have there. Tyler Roussel, Mott, okay. I would rather have there. Uh, Zach McEwen, I would rather have there. And, I mean, man, potentially Niels Hoaglander coming out of camp. I would have those five names ahead of Jace Howerluck right now on my depth chart. Specifically, if you're talking about a top six winger and talking about a guy who's going to play with Horvath. Yes, but you're also talking You're talking about a guy, and we're assuming, we're assuming when we construct our lineups here that the Horvat line is still going to be playing in a matchup role. Like, yes, Elias Pettersson was in a matchup role towards the end of the year, and even into the playoffs, he showed well, but... Man, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking like I, I'm thinking we're gonna see some Howard Luck. We're gonna see some Howard Luck at camp. And well, I think- no, be- like if you think about it, then you're thinking so. Jake Vertanen doesn't make the first line in this scenario, right? Like this is this means that the lotto lines together, right? Like that's what we're saying. Yes, yes. Okay, so then yeah, I, I would, I would think that that would be a matchup line, and, and I'll stick with the names that I said because I, I just it would shock the hell out of me to see Howard Luck hop up into that line because I don't think that. Uh, like I, I don't even hate Antoine Roussel there. Like I thought that there was yeah. a lot of chemistry between Roussel and Horvat in yeah. the limited time that they played together. And I would rather see a guy like Sven Berchi get a shot there. I just don't know if the relationship's spoiled enough to make that happen. Yeah. Like, heck, if you're gonna give that role to Jace Howerluck, what's the worst idea of giving Justin Bailey that role? Right? Like Justin Bailey would be a guy who could hop up into that. But if you're talking about a shutdown position, dude, wait, then wait, wait, then wait. it's different. I've got I've got to cut you off on the Bailey thing because you and I both watched the one game he played last year. The dude looked lost out there, like just utterly lost. Like he was on the fourth line and he wasn't picking up his defensive assignments at all. He was fast, which is great, but he was like a second late to every puck battle that he was supposed to be in. And it was just like Beagle was directing traffic a lot in, I, when he had the shift there. He did not play well. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't hate his game. I thought he actually brought a lot of energy to a fourth line where you know, like, like seriously, we're gonna start saying that the fourth line has been really good defensively and positionally. Like they've been horrible for the last dude. He was playing catch up for the last seven years. No, he was. Playing I don't know. Catch-up. I thought he brought a lot of energy. He brought hits and he actually created some offense. If I'm remembering correctly about his game. No, you gotta go rewatch the games because man, no, he wasn't. Like he was. He was not good. He was. He was terrible in that game he played. Like he was. He was not good. He was by far the worst the worst player on the lineup that night like he was he was chasing so much of the game and yeah maybe he threw a ton of hits but they were like it was because he was late to the puck and it was just like he had to throw a hit to you know make it look like he was part of the play but he wasn't there and it's just no he, i will not stand for justin bailey's a better option than jace Howerluck. i will not stand for that 
Hmm. Yeah, that one's my reach, I guess, out of it. But I, I, I gave you five names that I do believe would be Fair. better options in a top six role with Horvat than yeah. Power Luck right now. But like at the same time, uh, you know, prove me wrong, right? Like, let's see what he does at camp. Maybe he does stick out as one of these players. So it, it, it could be possible, I guess. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to watch him for sure. I, I it's he's not game. a center though. I'm going to shut that down right now. I don't know why even mentioning him be the third line center. Like that's not happening. They're going to try it. They're going to try it. I'm telling you. How about how about we make a bet? Do you want to make a bet? Maybe we'll make a bet next week when we bring in our new sponsor. Sure. Oh, that's a good little... Okay. Okay. I like that. But I think we should make a bet down the line that we will at least once, at least once, see Jay's Howard like skate as a center at training camp. In the line rushes or in the oh. drills, whatever. He's going to skate as a center. Sure. He'll skate as a center. So did Colin last year at camp. No, he didn't. Colin was a wing the whole time he was at camp. No, he was a center in Victoria. Oh, Victoria. Okay, you got me there. I wasn't at Victoria. That was before my time. He had Reed Boucher on his wing one day, I remember. Huh. But that's like the Utica probably have, group. Probably have the tweets to pull it up, too, because I was tweeting out lineups. And stuff. That's the Utica group. I'm saying he's going to skate with the main group. Howerlick's going to skate with the main group as a center. I guarantee it. Oh. All right. We'll, we'll see about that. We'll he, make he the might bet skate next week. a practice we'll make the official bet next week. Be- all right, yeah, I want decent odds on that if it's just skating one practice as a center. <laughs> that'd be so funny. That'd be, like, iconic if we're just there in the in the upper bowl just sitting, like, how far do we have to be? Like, a row apart? I'd be, like, through my mask and be like, Chris, Jason Howard looks a center. Look, you lost the bet. That'd be fun. That'd be a lot of fun. I'd be tweeting that out. That'd be the only line rush I'd tweet. I'd just tweet, Jason yeah. Howard is skating at center. Faber owes me whatever we bet. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be like a pack of gum if he does. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, I mean, I don't have too much to add. Nice little debate there today. Um, do you have anything else you want to add? Prospects. Yep. I want to talk about prospects. Niels Huglander back in action on Saturday. The team has recovered from their COVID outbreak. That's good news to hear. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, like I said, I was like, oh, I'm going to keep covering the prospects, keep waking up early. Of course, my shift at 6.50 starts exactly when Huglander's game is playing. So unfortunately, I won't be covering that game. I'll have to watch that when I get home. But he's supposed to be back in action on Saturday uh, after missing out on a handful of games that Rugley had canceled. Um, so that's unfortunate. It's, it's going to be good to get him back into the lineup. And there's only a few more games actually for him before this break. And his loan, like his loan expires on the 12th, right? After the game on the 12th. He is officially back to the Vancouver Canucks off of that loan. So we're looking at two games. It looks like seven games uh, remaining for Niels Huglander in the SHL. So we are not seeing the meteoric numbers that some people were hoping for, obviously, throughout this season. Um, But saying the same thing, with the COVID concerns going on, with Regley this week announcing it, they're making cuts to all of their players' salary. Um, I do think that there's even a growing interest from him to come to North America and stay in North America just because of, you know, a lot. I'm I'm thinking that they're going to run it a little bit better. Like, Sweden's done a pretty good job of of actually, like, shutting down the league when they should. Like, they're not like the the KHL that just, like, ran through COVID when half the team, like, when Ska was half taken out by by COVID-19. They just kept playing games and playing games and bringing in a new coach, and then he would get COVID. Then he'd go on to the next coach. Like, it was a mess. But the SHL is doing a little bit better job of canceling. But at the same time, the league as a whole, and I think Sweden as a country, um, just isn't doing great with their COVID response right now. So, um, you know, I'm not a doctor, and I'm not even sure exactly the real numbers, but that's just the the, the read that I get off of being around the situation. Um, I reached out to Huglander's camp, talked to his agent. They don't have any plans right now 
to get him over here earlier than the 12th because of the 14-day quarantine. It might limit his ability to practice with the Canucks and participate in training camp. Um, They don't have a plan for that yet. But I'm wondering with these cancel games, with the pay going down, like, is it smart for Huglander? We might hear news, and you know what? Like, I'm gonna try, I'm gonna work my ass off to try and break this news if it does happen. But I think that it's a possibility. Like, I, I haven't heard anything from the camp, I haven't heard anything from the team or Huglander himself. But just personally reading the situation, I wouldn't be surprised if he actually leaves the SHL early once we hear when NHL training camp is set to start. Like, if they can give us a set date for when Vancouver Canucks training camp opens, I'm going to bet that the Huglander camp tries to get here 14 days before that, and I'm wondering what happens with this loan in the SHL. Like, I'm not hearing anything in stone, but this is just, like, the read that I'm getting on it. And one thing on the topic of training camp is the players haven't been told anything, and Ben Kuzma had an article where he talked to JT Miller uh, about his mother-in-law's passing. Uh, you know, she he was, he was thinking about leaving the bubble. He asked his wife if... Uh, she wanted him to come home and she said no uh, so Miller stayed with the Canucks but his his mother-in-law did pass away shortly after I think he arrived back home from the bubble um, yeah. but uh, so our condolences obviously to the Miller family but uh, he was talking to Ben Kuzma about you know what it's going to look like and he was kind of like just give me a date like I don't want to go back and forth so he's saying like you know if I have to go to you know, I, I don't want to go to training camp and then go home for Christmas and then have to quarantine again or all this stuff, right? Like, he's like, give me a date, but don't make me go back and forth, right? And, yeah, it makes sense, yeah. obviously. Uh, it's, it's a fair concern to have. So, I don't know, like, it was interesting. He, there was definitely some interesting quotes in that story. Uh, a, a few interesting ones about the off-season moves. Uh, Miller said he, was, he found the move shocking, and he used the word reboot. He said it's almost like a reboot because those were some key guys that we let go. Uh, so, yeah, kind of, kind of an interesting quote from Miller there. But, uh, yeah, yeah, other than that, I don't think there's too much else to talk about. No, I got more prospect stuff. Great. Go for it. Okay, Victor Persson, Yanni Yermo. Both are on the bubble right now to make their teams. Persson with Sweden uh, and Yermo, obviously, with Finland uh, going into the World Junior Championships. Persson is going to find out at the latest. It's going to be December 3rd when he's going to hear from Sweden if he's made that team and if he's going to be traveling over to Edmonton to compete. If he goes to Edmonton, he's going to be staying in North America because he's going to travel over to Kamloops to go over there and play in the WHL, which is set to begin... January 8th, right? Is that the date, I think, for the WHL? I think so, yeah, I believe so. I think it's the 8th. Anyways, it's it's early in January. I believe it's right around the 8th. Um, So, yeah, he's going to stay there if he ends up making the World Junior Team because the Junior Tournament's obviously going to end just right there. So he'll have his quarantine done. He can jump right into the Blazers lineup on January 8th if that's when their opening game is. So that's exciting to hear. Um, at the same time, Yanni Yermo, haven't heard much around him. Um, I just I think that he's a little bit on the outside looking in onto that team. Parison, I think, has the better shot of actually making it because he had a great run to this year before his season got canceled. So keep an eye on him. And we don't talk about him enough on the show, but Arvid Kosmar has found himself in a pretty great spot with that U20 team at this year's World Juniors because he's going to be playing with some very skilled wingers. Like, Sweden is so deep at having skilled wingers this year at the tournament, but they're not deep at center. So, you know, Kosmar is potentially playing on that second line. Could be with a guy like Lucas Raymond, you know, on the same line with him. Mm-hmm. So that could be something very exciting to see. And with that, like, he's he's probably the second most offensive center on that team. So expect him to be on one of the power play units as well. So we don't really talk about him a lot. 
um, because he's not like ripping up the SHL very much. Uh, but he is going to be in a very good spot at this year's World Juniors. So I think that's the only thing I wanted to report uh, on that. We already talked about Zodiev, so um, that's it. That's all I got. There's, uh, and I guess, final thing with Pod Colson. There are seven remaining games for Ska before they take a nine day break that begins on December 11th. Uh, potentially we could see like one or two more games where Pod Colson plays in, but then aside from that, he's probably making his way over to Alberta as well. Um, so that's basically all I got for the prospects report. I've been talking to a lot of them, and I'm like I said, I'm hustling to get that Pod Colson interview. Uh, if that happens, like that's going to make 2020 from a bad year to a pretty decent year. If I can get a Pod Colson interview, that'd be nuts. Wow, hot take, but I like it. I like it, Chris. Yeah, I'd be <laughs> I'd be very excited to see what you could do with Pod Colson uh, speaking in Russian through Google Translate, which was good with Zlodiev, by the way. But if we don't have anything else to add, I think we'll close it out here. Thank you, everybody, for listening to episode 119. 119, Chris, one away from episode 120. Thanks again. You have been listening to the Canucks Conversation.